Hi there, Rabbi Bernath here. I'm in the middle of preparing two fantastic Kabbalah courses. One is going to be starting on January 24th and the other on January 27th. I'm going to be teaching them live on Zoom. And of course, if you miss a session, you can always get a recording of it. The first one is going to be the Kabbalah of Afterlife. It's going to be a four-week series going into some of Kabbalah's greatest secrets, like where do we go after this world? Do you think we become frogs or grasshoppers or horses? What's the soul? Or where does the soul come from or go? Do Jews believe in heaven or hell? Can souls communicate with us from the afterlife? There's going to be lots of questions answered and during this course. This is the Kabbalah of Afterlife. And then the second course is going to be a six-week series called Kabbalah Mindfulness. If you've dabbled into mindfulness or any type of meditation, this is a course on meditation that is strictly from Kabbalah and something perhaps different than you've done before. Each session is going to have 45 minutes of Kabbalistic concept and then a 30 to 45 minute guided imagery meditation. And it's going to be followed by instruction of how to utilize it in your day-to-day life. So if you want to sign up for this, there's limited space, you can either go to uh, www.jewishndg.com or www.theloverabbi.com or I'm just going to put the two sign-up forms right in the show notes here. Thanks so much. There we go. It's been a long while and really happy to be back and to be with you this evening. We have a really, really special program that's planned for you. And so really hope that you take the most out of tonight. Once again, I'm going to post our little pre-questionnaire. It's totally anonymous. I'm going to post it one last time here. And if you haven't had a chance, it'll take you one or maybe two minutes to click a few buttons and help us make tonight ever so more connected and exciting for you. For those of you who don't know me, I think there's very few of you here that I could see that don't know me, but my name is Rabbi Yisrael Bernath. And for some reason, I have to live with the fact that they started calling me the love rabbi. But uh, for, for your sake, I will live with it. Primarily, I spend a lot of my time counseling and coaching, lots of singles, young adults, matchmaking. And um, what I think I become most known for, which is really part of what we want to talk about tonight, is helping singles break through what I call the singles wall and be able to get in a space where they can actually be in a relationship uh, with someone else. Before we get started, I'd like to thank everyone who donated tonight. The money that we collect for this class and the money that we collect for all of these classes go to needy brides to help them get married, which is actually a Jewish dating secret. And it is a special segula, a special omen to support a bride in need and Hashem will support you on your journey. So if you ever hear of a couple in need or a bride in need, wanting to get married, help them, support them in any way, physically, financially, it will be your secret to getting married yourself. 
Now, tonight we are primarily singles. I know some of you do not necessarily want to meet anyone at this moment. So you're just here to learn and grow and we, we appreciate that. So what I want you to do is take a moment. If you're not interested in meeting anyone uh, tonight, just put an NA, not interested, or an NI in front of your name, not, not available, NA, not available, NI, um, not interested. But if you are available, what I like you to do is put maybe the age range that you're looking for, and maybe your religious your religious orientation, whatever that means. You can write just Jewish, or you can write uh, Orthodox, or you can write whatever. That's something that will describe in, in less than a few words that you can put in the beginning of your name. You can just change your name to um, the, the, the age range you're looking for and the religious orientation that you're looking for. And you never know, maybe someone will reach out to you tonight that maybe as this session is going on, there'll be some other sessions going on, some private conversations happening. And please, those of you who are gonna reach out to others, if someone puts not available in front of their name, please respect that because that's very important. A lot of people are just here to learn and to grow. Uh, if you haven't made a profile yet, you can use jmontreal.com, marketing code rabbi's gift. It's completely free. It's open to all Jewish singles in North America. We have a total of close to 40,000 singles in North America on the database. Many, many in Montreal, many all over. If you don't want to use J Montreal, you want to use J Matchmaking. It's really the same site. So you, if you, it's even though it's called J Montreal, because I'm here in Montreal. And if you are already on J Montreal and you have a friend that signs up. Um, on J Montreal tonight or in the next week, and you let us know that your friend signed up, we are going to give you a very special uh, gold membership treatment that is going to be very nice uh, for you for the coming for the coming months. Also, um, for those of you who are interested in Kabbalah, I have two new Kabbalah courses that are going to be starting next week. I'm putting I'm going to send you an email later, but I'm putting some signups there in the chat if anybody's interested in that. And now let's get started with tonight's program. I am very honored to welcome to the stage to join me tonight. Um, it's, not, he's not the, it's not the first time he, um, he's with me here, but it is definitely the first time in a long while he's been with me here. Rabbi Yosh Berkowitz, for those of you who don't know him, Rabbi Yosh works together with me at Chabad and DG here in Montreal. We do a lot together, but I'll give you a little bio on him so you get an idea of who he is. Um, he, people call him Rabbi Berkowitz. He doesn't like that. He likes Rabbi Yosh instead. He's one of the few, maybe the only rabbi in the world who enjoys both wrestling and figure skating, never mind being a rabbi. He has a BA in Talmudic studies and smicha from the Rabbinical College of America in Morristown, New Jersey. and. He has a master's in education in educational psychology from McGill University in Montreal. And he lives here in NDG with me with his wife, Hani, and their wonderful children. And we work closely together. And we are actually in the process right now of writing a book on relationships together. And so therefore, some of the topics that we are going to explore tonight are topics that we are exploring in this book. 
And so we like to get started. What we're gonna do tonight, it's very simple. Um, we are going to start off with a conversation. A lot of the conversation has to do with your questions, things that you've sent us before tonight's session. So it's gonna be very apropos and having to do with you specifically. And um, we're going to talk for about 45 minutes. And then afterwards, we are going to open the floor to questions and answers. Please feel free to use the chat box throughout the entire time we're talking, even though you're going to be muted until later on when we unmute you and allow you to ask questions for the second half of tonight's program, please feel free to use the chat box below. Write your questions as you're listening to us. Things are gonna come up. We wanna hear from you. We want this to be interactive. So please use that chat box. Without any further introduction, I welcome Rabbi Yosh to the stage tonight. Welcome. Thank you. All right. So uh, absolutely great crowd tonight. Really looking forward to having this discussion with all of you. And um, thank you, Rabbi Bernath, for the introductions. Um, so uh, if anybody here hasn't had a chance to fill out the pre-questionnaire, let's post it one last time because some people just entered. Absolutely. I'll and post it one last time for everybody. So it's very simple. We just want to get to know our demographics of who's here. So we're gonna tailor the conversation to uh, you know, the people who are here. And uh, so we know who to, who, you know, who we're talking to because we don't know everybody here, obviously. Um, and then um, the last question of that questionnaire, which many of you filled out um, is, what are you trying to learn? What did you come here to learn today? And that's gonna also help shape our conversation and help us know what to emphasize and what you guys wanna talk about. I'm not here to talk about what I'm interested in. I'm here to talk about what you're interested in. So that's how we gauge that for the nights. So we're going to take a look together. Um, maybe I'll, Rabbi, should I share my screen? I think, I think let's, uh, let's make this uh, completely transparent. I like, yeah. I like transparency. Let's try to get a feel for where we are and where we're holding. You know, there's a lot of questions as you're sharing your screen. There's a lot of questions that keep on coming up with regards to attraction. Attraction, how do I know? That is the impetus for us to have this session tonight. How do I know? How do I know? I, I, I meet someone, I'm in a relationship with someone, um, I see a picture of someone. There's so many different ways that I can be introduced to an individual of which perhaps I can start a relationship with. So how do I know? What are yeah. the... the can I trust myself? You know, so often I'll, I'll introduce someone, people say, no, not for me. And I'll say, not for you? Why? Why not for you? And they'll say, I don't like the way they look. So you just saw a picture of them and you already don't like the way they look? How do you know? I mean, just, just question, just, just think about it. How do you know? How, how do you have any idea? I mean, do you look good in pictures? So, I don't. I don't look good in pictures. That's for sure. At least I don't think I look good in pictures. And Rabbi, I hear you look great in pictures. You're very I, photogenic. Come on. I, I hear from a lot of people they don't look good in pictures. I don't think I look good in pictures. And I think a lot of people say that about themselves. They don't look good in pictures. So if you don't think, if you're the kind of person who doesn't think that you look good in pictures, how can you expect that you're going to judge someone else from the picture they don't like? 
So what? Just just to get started, what are the what are the basis? What are the rules of attraction? We'll get there. Okay. Want, so you know, <laughs> I'm, excited. We'll get that. I'm excited. We'll get there. Yeah. You you are. Yeah. So uh, for everybody here who's listening, if um, one thing that's going to come in real handy to help you get the most out of uh, our time together is if you have something to write with. Um, just to help you put something down. So take a minute, get a pen and paper. Yeah, it's, I, I find pen and paper is better, especially if you're trying to get ideas and do creative, you know, or internal work. Uh, pen and paper is the best. You could use a Google Keep note or your, you know, notes app or uh, your computer, a Word document, uh, if you want, if you're the digital type. But uh, I really recommend getting a paper and pen quickly if you haven't. And because uh, throughout, I'm going to ask you questions. I'm actually going to want you to write down the answers. Uh, very, you know, questions about you and help you create your little profile of yourself in this regard, help you understand yourself in this regard, um, if that's what you came here to do. So pen and paper is great for that. All right. So before we begin, we're going to look at the results of our survey. So I'm going to share my screen. I have it up here. Share screen. Oh, I've got some really great questions coming in already and we're gonna to get to those. Please keep on, you can private message me your questions in the chat. We're gonna to get to all of them. So don't think that there's a, a mistake. I'm, I'm looking at a lot of your questions here right now. Okay. Yeah, so. yeah. So we're gonna do those in the Q and A. So we're just gonna see our composition tonight so we know who's here. So first of all, male, female split is about 40, 60 in favor of female. Is that along the lines of what you usually see in your classes, Robert Bernath? Um, it depends on the class, uh, it really depends. It also could be that more females, there's more people that are here on the Zoom. So it could be more females uh, uh, filled it out. So I don't know if that's indicative necessarily. Uh, Sampling bias, getting fancy. Yeah. Um, okay, okay. But it is a pretty high, my perception is that usually the relationships classes have more women or they're more, Am I, is that, is that how it usually, is it usually more women? Um, I, again, it really depends on the class. It depends on the topic. I, I don't I think know. It's a pretty good that. showing for men. I think men are interested in this topic. 40% is actually a pretty good showing. I think that's what I would say. I think men have a lot of questions on this topic and it's really good discussion for men as well. Okay. Um, okay. The backgrounds. So our main background tonight is people who grew up what they would term secular and are still uh, you know, along those lines. We do have one quarter, though, coming from the exact opposite background, you know, from a, what is termed a religious background, Jewish background, and also um, another 15% coming who grew up secular and is currently religious. So we're going to keep that in mind as we tailor our discussion tonight, um, because what culture you come from and what culture you're currently in affects the way you date, it affects different things about you. And so we're going to try to you know, so make sure that we're getting to everybody. Um, and I would say that's happened. pretty general that we have probably 50% or more that will be secular. And then we always have about a quarter of our, of our group that's uh, more religious. So that makes sense. Okay, fantastic. Okay, how many of us, just a quick NEC yes or no, how many of us have experienced doubts about attraction? All right, so an 80-20. So, you know, you, if, if you haven't experienced doubts, what do you, my question is, 
you know, um, what is your question about attraction that brings you to this class? That's that would be interesting. If somebody said no, and I have even more that. than that, I have even more than that. About twelve people that didn't fill this out who are just giving me private messages here. Yes, yes, yes. Meaning that they do experience doubts. So you can add that right. to your eighty twenty. Right. Right. Okay. So that's pretty expected. All right, we're just going to take a quick look and thank God these are all anonymous. We're not going to show names and even if we did, it wouldn't show anyone's names because nobody entered their names. Um, but we are going to show just an idea of, you know, wow, there's a lot here. Okay, so let's let's start going through them. I think this is your yeah, great. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll pick out a few. So okay. I like the first one, how to figure it all out. That just sums it up right there. Is it weird to be attracted by someone who's six years older if you're a man in your 30s and you want to have kids? Oh, wow. That's a very so interesting see, this is the, the very important question. Here we see there's conflict. I'm attracted in some ways, but not in others. This is important. We're going to get to that. Uh, we're going to talk about that. Okay. We li I like someone, but they have a problem. Uh, in this case, OCD. Mm. How do, do I tell them to fix it up? Very common question. You know, how do I deal with that? How do I know if the person's attracted back? How do I know it's real? I don't trust my instincts anymore. Am I glossing over red flags? Good question. That's a really good question. What is good and bad attraction? Okay, well, who, that's assuming they, that there's something called good and bad attraction. That's a pretty big novelty. Okay, so this person is saying there's good and bad attraction. We have to define what that is and define mm -hmm. what attraction is. How is it possible that people feel attracted and then end up being disgusted? It's a great question. Um, I'm seeing someone, she's very nice, but I know that there are prettier women out there. Mm. But that's something I hear, I hear often. Well, so I'm, but I may not find anyone as kind as she is. I'm 34, it can't all be about looks, but will my attraction grow over time? Just curious what the rabbis will say. Ha ha. I'm not sure what this means. Um, should I look back past looks and settle? Settle. That's a big word. We hear that so much. It's the word settle, settle down. Do I have to settle People for People change less? over the years. This is also a very important idea. People change over the years. Mm -hmm. People lose their hair. People gain weight. Um, okay. How long? How long does it take? So, you know, how long does it take? Mm -hmm. Good question. Okay. Uh, recommend any Jewish dating websites? Jmatchmaking or jmontreal.com. You heard it right at the beginning. How do you know if you are settling? Good question. If I'm not physically attracted after the first date, is there any hope? We hear that a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, different elements. Um, how important is it to be, is attraction in general to pursue a relationship? Okay. She's not my physical type. She's still cute, doesn't matter. Okay, good question. I'm attracted, but not very attracted. We're gonna address that. If you're not attracted, should you keep dating anyway? Okay. Really, really great questions. Really, really yeah. great questions. Um, someone is attracted to you, they necessarily want to date to you and get into a serious relationship. Okay, well, I'm not sure. I don't know if I can answer for every person. All right, how do I find out I made the right decision not seeing someone again after the first date? You don't. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, you know, you, you could, by the way, you could, I'm joking. You could uh, discuss it over with someone. If you didn't have a chance to fill this out, you're welcome to send me your, you can just direct message me or you can put it in the chat here and I will read it out. Um, the question that we're going through is what is the question in your mind that you hope that will get answered tonight in this class? Yeah, and here we go. So I have a certain type. Last question here, I have a certain type and some people say attraction can grow over time. What is the balance? I dated people, I wasn't attracted tried to be more open, but it hasn't worked out. Or can the line be drawn? And some other ones that have come in uh, by the chat. What is behind attraction? I love the sense of humor. I'm attracted to that. And I'm curious if that is genetic or if that is real. Um, other things, um, my mom always said, well, his looks will grow on you. This was true with my last relationships. Thought he looked old when we met, then his eyes started to twinkle, noticed his smile. So let's we can talk about that when it comes to attraction. That's great, great comment. Uh, somebody else said, I, I, I feel that I get discriminated against because I'm a plus size. Also short and young looking. I'm, I'm recently 40, but I get mistaken for late 20s and 30s. I've also had guys tell me that I'm too smart for them or too far. So how does that play into attraction? I think that's a really great a really great comment as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. so, okay, we're good. All right, so let me, uh, let's, let me stop sharing for a minute. And uh, okay, so the way we're gonna do it tonight is we're, we're, we're gonna try to get some ideas out there because that's a lot of questions. I could, we could spend two hours trying to go over every single individual question. I think it's important we get, so let's get some ideas out there, some fresh ideas. And then I think those ideas will be able to apply to many of the themes and many of the questions that we Absolutely. saw. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, I've got a little, so I got, I, uh, I have a few slides if you want. I mean, uh, or we can talk yeah. about it, Rabbi, how would you like yeah. to do it today with the host? I, yeah, sure. If you want, you can, you can throw up some slides. Let's, let's just talk a bit. And then I really want to get into these questions because there's some really, really great comments there. Um, yeah, I see like this one that just came in. How do you know if you're with the right person and they don't check all your boxes? Like, let's, let's just, let's start with that. How, if you're with the right person and they don't check all your boxes, how do you know? It's too vague though, because <laughs> no, how so many boxes do you have? Exactly, that, you know? exactly. So we're, we all have a bias, right? So we're all coming to this from a certain perspective and we... Yeah. We can't ignore that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I think there's so many questions. I, I, I think I'm going to go to the slides because okay. I, we've got to get some ideas out before we sure. can before we can continue the conversation. I think that's how we're going to do it. I think those questions, wow, really mind blowing. We're we're gonna let's go to those slides. All right. So share. Well, if you ask for it, you receive. I love that. Yeah. We've only got five slides here, so don't worry, people. I'm not going to bore you with the slideshow. And it's just some visuals to help us back up what we're saying. And then we'll be able to talk a little bit more. So let's hear. Um, we're going to play the show. Go to the next slide. Yeah, yeah. no, I want to make it full screen. I think I want to play it properly. Slide. I'm used to Microsoft. Uh... I've never used Google Slides. No. Anyway, <laughs> um, so why don't you just go to the next one? Oh, here's full screen down below. Full screen. Oh, there we go. Thank you. 
That should be good. All right, everybody can see okay, right, Rabbi? You good? Yeah. The view is good now? Yeah. Excellent. Great. I'm going to, let's do it. All right, so um, just before we get into some of the concepts, or this is a concept too, I think it's important because we're rabbis, we're talking about, you know, Jewish gating, we're talking about Judaism. Um, what's the history on this? That's, you know, for me, it kind of starts from, is this a new thing or is this an old thing? Is there rabbinic scholarship? Is there, you know, is there, uh, does the Jewish philosophy, the Jewish religion, you know, belief system, does it acknowledge um, the idea of attraction, physical attraction in this case? So, you know, the word attraction is very big and very vague, but a lot of what we're going to talk about, you know, has to do with visual attraction. Let's, let's call it that, you know, did that exist? Was that a thing? Was that relevant? Is there, do the rabbis give this validity? So we see, um, I remember learning this when I was in yeshiva and I mentally flagged it in my mind as something important for later from Kiddushin, from the Talmud in Kiddushin. Yeah, um, let's take a read. Kiddushin 41a, as Rabbi Yehuda says, that Rob says, it is forbidden for a man to betroth a woman until he sees her, lest he see something repulsive in her after her betrothal, and she will become repugnant to him, which will cause him to hate her. And to prevent this violation of what the merciful one states in the Torah, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself, the sages rule that a man must betroth a woman in person to ensure that he approves of her. Obviously, I we're always, talking about a patriarchal society. I mean, we have to, you know, talk about the bias of the Talmud. Um, well, you know, this is talking about, I'm, there's actually, I have a different quote I'm going to bring up uh, pretty soon. But, uh, you know, it talks about the opposite direction. Woman, you know, a woman for a man. Right here, we're talking about man for a woman. Um, and we see the acknowledgement of, of the idea of, of visual attraction. And that's important. Okay, that it's that it's a valid point, you know, and it's not something that should just be, ah, what do you care? You'll it'll grow on you. You know, the rabbis in the Talmud did not, you know, the, they said, no, you know, he, he, uh, they, they have to see each other. This is in response to a Mishnah, which states that uh, the, the, the bride and the groom don't have to be at the chuppah. Mm. You could theoretically marry someone and, and never even be under the chuppah with them and never meet them because both the bride and the groom could send an agent, a representative, right? To, to do the marriage ring, the transaction which creates the marriage. Uh, they don't have to be there. And so the Talmud reads that and says, what? What about, you know, and it brings up some issues. It says, you know, there's some issues that can happen. This is one of them. If they never see each other, we have, and I, th I think it's fascinating. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The implication here <laughs> is that if a man marries a woman who he's not attracted to, and we could apply that vice versa as well, but here it's you know it's specific, here it's talking about a man for, for a woman. He he could end up violating loving a fellow person, you know, and the, the kind of love we talk about, love your fellow neighbor as yourself, means you know it's not romantic love. It's just talking about the duty of care we have to our brethren, uh, you know, to take care of them, to treat them well. Um, there's some fascinating applications of this verse in the Talmud, and this is one of those. This is one of them. Um, so it, it, the point here being, a man marries a woman he's not attracted to, he is mistreating her by doing that. I thought that was, you know, 
that really impacted me when I learned that he that is that is a form of mistreatment, a form of perhaps neglect for a man to marry a woman. And, you know, I'm not really attracted to you. That's that's no good. Um, and uh, that's that that is not a good, exp a pleasant experience for for uh, in this case, it's talking about a woman to to feel. All right. So we have another quote here. Maimonides, um, in his work where he, you know, transmits the uh, actual legal rulings. So he takes this, he adds an important word I thought it was important to mention, is permitted to look at the face of an unmarried woman and examine her to see whether she's attractive in his eyes so that he may marry her. Okay, so because the Talmud just says they should see each other. Mm -hmm. Maimonides says... He gets into the nitty gritty of, of the Jewish of Jewish law, and he and this is also something important we can get to. He talks about the importance of you should look at her face, and why is that important? Why does he actually mention looking at at her face? I think that's a you know there's something important there we're going to talk about a little bit. Um, and one last really interesting quote I found: um, visual repulsion, and this is for women to men. Um, the, again, the, 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 the Mishnah, the, you know, the source text here is talking about the idea of what's called a rebellious wife. There's a, re a rebellious husband and a rebellious wife. The Talmud in Kasubos, where this is from, um, there's a you know, long, most, a lot of Kasubos is uh, looking at the, um, the obligations of a husband and wife to each other. Nitty gritty. Um, you know, kind of uh, stuff like, you know, detailed financial arrangements that are part of marriage and that have major implications for divorce. If anybody has ever been through or knows someone who's been through a divorce, there's like these insane calculations of, you know, I'm talking about today, even in a secular court, there's these insane calculations of assets. That's like 90% of the work, how to divide the assets and who owns what. And so the Talmud was doing that quite a while ago. Um, and uh, that's with the context here. So here in Ksubo 63b, uh, Rabbi, you want to read it? Go ahead. You. As with regard to this halacha, the Talmud asks, what are the circumstances in which the halacha, meaning Jewish law, of a rebellious woman applies? Amemar said, the case in where she says, I want to be married to him, but I am currently refusing him because I want to cause him anguish due to a dispute between us. However, if she said, I am disgusted with him, we do not compel her to remain with him as one should not be compelled to live with someone who disgusts her. So here we see that the Talmud is also bringing in this idea for you know, visual attraction or for a woman it doesn't talk about it in terms of um, her liking him. It talks about it, you know, it's coming from the opposite perspective of this idea of disgust mm -hmm. um, that uh, she can't even tolerate something. And there's actually allowance in that. What's fascinating is, is there, there, there's, a, there's an allowance there say, oh, okay, that's, that makes sense. You know, you can, you can go your separate ways. It's yeah. considered valid grounds for divorce over here. And that's actually the way the halacha is transmitted down to later sources and, you know, the sources we use now. 
um, because you know there's some differing opinions in the Talmud, but this actually becomes the ruling is that we really put a lot of gravitas to her saying that, as opposed to if she says, oh, I want to stay married, I'm just, you know, try rebelling here, by the way, means withholding from physical intimacy, that's what the re rebellion is, um, and so she said, oh, I want to, I want to stay married, uh, I just don't want to be with him because I'm, we're, we're arguing, and, you know, I'm trying to make him feel bad, you know, that's, okay, that's one thing, and I'm not going to get into that whole, there's a whole discussion about that, and what, you know, how you deal with that, but this idea of I'm disgusted, this is say, oh, okay, we, we acknowledge that that's important from, you know, from the perspective of, of this law. That's fascinating. All right. So this is, I think, the most important thing that we can address and answer a lot of, I'd say about 80% of the things that have been asked so far can be addressed just by talking about this. This is, this is where we're at here, okay? And this is the idea that attraction is not one dimensional. It's not one dimensional, it's four dimensional. And if you can deal with the four dimensions, you can actually break through to the fifth dimension, which is you know, the idea of soul, finding your soulmate. That's what a lot of, you, that's a lot of us are trying to do. Um, that's the fifth dimension. That's, you can't access that directly. You can only access that by dealing with the four dimensions. And so um, when we, this is really key, okay? What are the four dimensions? Four dimensions are the four dimensions of a person. So you are not one entity, right? This, <laughs> if, if there's anything you learn from modern psychology, there is a single idea you pick up from modern psychology. It's that we are made of many parts. There's even a, um, a whole school of thought, which is a fascinating school of thought called internal family systems, where you have these therapists who will actually treat somebody um, and will almost summon different parts of them to have conversations with other parts of them. So there's one person and the different parts of that person are having conversations amongst themselves. Absolutely fascinating. You can, it's called IFS, internal family systems. And it's a very, very uh, effective, okay? Because it acknowledges that we literally have parts of ourselves that are so different, sometimes they can even oppose each other and contradict each other. And that's where a lot of, um, a lot of you know, mental health and anguish comes from. And so we saw this in some of the questions, I'm attracted, but I'm not. How does that work, right? Um, I wanna have kids, but I like her. Um, she's, he's really kind, not sure if I like how he looks. So we have to, when we're talking about attraction, we have to take into account that there's four dimensions here. So the body is one. Yeah, I'm not in present mode, but it's okay. So the body, there's bodily attraction, all right, which you feel in your body. There's the way your heart feels about things. When we say heart, we're talking about emotions. Okay, so emotions. Just to sorry? understand, body means physical attraction. Body means the way your body feels about it, your literal body, okay? Um, let's talk about that just for a second, okay? Because <laughs> yeah. the, but when we talk about body, 
it, body is actually really, really, really important because your body um, can give you clues about all the different parts of you. So there's, you know, your, your body will actually give you hints about your mind and your heart and all the other things and even your soul. You can find those clues in your body um, by recognizing different bodily sensations and what they represent. So, so, yeah, I mean, you've all felt this. You all know when you have a tightening in your stomach or you have uh, issues breathing, you feel like rib cage is closing in. You know what that means, right? That's a certain type of anxiety. If you have certain things starting to happen in your neck or certain things starting to happen in your lower back, you know what that is. If you feel red and hot, you know what that's about, okay? Right here on your forehead, um, you know, you feel flushed. So those are bodily experiences and it's important to kind of pick up on those and recognize um, those feelings and how they affect your posture. Um, I remember having moments when I had, so, you know, let's, I did, uh, let, let, I, this wasn't shared before, you know, let's, let me tell you guys where I'm coming from and why I talk about this stuff. So I grew up, um, I'm, I'm a BT, so if I was filling out the survey from the beginning, I'm a BT, I'm a Balchuva. So I grew up in a fairly secular, maybe traditional Jewish, but, you know, pretty secular. I, uh, I don't know, I went to Radiohead concerts and uh, <laughs> I don't know, how do I establish my credibility here? Um, I did all kinds of stuff um, that, you know, it's not, uh, not, you wouldn't expect, like, you know, wrestling and figure skating for example, many other things when I was younger. Uh, as a teenager, a little bit older, you know, is when I started to go in the direction of becoming a rabbi, going into uh, yeshiva. And uh, while I was a teenager, I had, you know, some pretty interesting and deep relationships. So I did the whole dating, meeting people kind of thing with, you know, with, uh, you know, when I was, when I was that age. And at some point, when, let's say when I was, you know, around 17, I decided to go to yeshiva. I basically closed the book on that. So that I had an experience, I had experiences, I met people, I had, uh, you know, I uh, met, uh, you know, girls who were my age and dated and had girlfriends and, you know, did that for as a teenager. And then I closed the book on that whole thing. I go to yeshiva, it's an all boys school. I completely closed the book on the other gender for about six or seven years. I come back to it. I'm 22, 23, right? 23 years old. I come back to they say, okay, it's time to get you, you know, it's time to get married. Okay, easy, <laughs> right? No, not so easy. Um, not so easy. I, um, I had a very rough time with that. I reopened this book and I'm like, oh my God, um, I, I have not dealt with this in a long time. And, you know, I don't come from a mainstream, what we call, you know, religious family background, whatever. I'm, you know, I'm different. I'm wired differently. I have different expectations. I don't even know what my expectations are. I don't even know who I am when it comes to having a relationship with a, with a woman. I have no idea. Um, so I start dating and it's an absolute flaming disaster. I mean, really bad. I just can't, could, could not believe how bad it went. Um, just, you know, just one disaster after another, you know, that happened for, that went on for a year, four out of five, um, you know, girls I met to date in the Jewish way were, were, you know, just ended in, you know, crashing and burning. 
Um, and so at some point I said, I need to figure this stuff out. I'm going to, I'm going to fully apply myself. I'm going, I said to myself, and I, I tell this to other people when we coach singles, I tell them that I said this, I said, I'm going to do whatever it takes to figure this out and to get married. And if you haven't said that to yourself yet, if you're trying, I recommend it. I will do whatever it takes, whatever it is, I will do it. And, um, it took a lot of internal work. So I'm, you know, some of the results of that I'm, I'm here to share with you guys. So, uh, yeah. So, um, if a lot of the problems that I was experiencing was a lot of kind of similar to some of the things that we saw on the screen, um, a lot of different sensations and different feelings when you meet people, and it can be really hard to interpret those. For some people, it's really easy. Some people have no problem with that. They know exactly how they're feeling all the time. Many of us don't. And 80% um, of people in this class right now said, or more than 80%, said they've had confusion. How do I feel? Am I attracted? I don't know. And so I, to help us figure that out, you know, let's acknowledge that we can have opposite feelings about the same person. We should also acknowledge that as many people as there are in the world, that's how many different ways you can feel about someone. There are no two, just like there are no two people who are the same who you're going to meet, there are no two ways you're going to feel about someone that are the same. Every person you meet is a unique um that is a unique relationship and a unique kind of attraction or the opposite or whatever you want to call it that's going to happen between you two everybody why is it so complex you have your body you have your emotions your heart you have your mind your mind has to do with your beliefs and your values Let's really add that but mind is you know your beliefs and your values and you know uh how you feel about those kinds of things you have the goals and purpose what you're trying to do what your goal is, what you believe you're supposed to be doing, and what that person, um, do, do, those, do those come together? And if you can put all this together, hopefully you figure out soul. Soul is invisible to us. We can't really directly perceive our soul. The idea being, if you can pull together these four to some extent, then you're going to reach that idea of a soulmate. And you get to experience that as a married person, you can have these soul experiences. So what, what about the conflict? We keep on getting questions here from people about the conflict. Do you have to have all of these? Right. So uh, here's where we're going to get our trusty pens and papers. Okay. And what I'm going to say is that for every person, there's a different answer to that question. And I want you guys to answer that questions for yourselves right now. And the way you do that is you need to know yourself. What do I mean when I say that? What you need to know for you in general, not just relationships, but you as a person. And I want you guys to take a pen and paper and do this right now, okay? Out of a, make a nice pie chart, give me a nice big circle. And I want you to pie chart, forget about relationships. You as a person, how much are you dominated by these four pieces of the puzzle? So are you, you know, some people, if you're, can I play on some stereotypes, Rabbi? Is that okay? Sure. 
just for fun. We can laugh a little bit. All right. If you're a jock, you like to work out a lot, you know, you like to, you know, locker room talk with the guys and, and, uh, you know, you're all about your body. That's like your main thing. And you do something or, you know, with your body as a, for, for a living and, and, uh, that's your thing. So, you know, body, heart, mind, purpose, goals, purpose. I, okay. I'm just making fun a little bit, but Okay, so maybe 75% of your life or of your mind space of what you're thinking about, what you're dealing with, what's important to you in general is your body. Acknowledge that. So put 75% body, you know, 15% heart, 5% mind. (laughs) I don't know. I'm joking, you know. For every person right now, forget about relationships. I want you to fill out the pie chart. And um, you know what? Let's shoot them up there. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to create now. Everybody's, I'd like to, can we, uh, can we get feedback on this live? Sure. Yeah, let's get some live feedback on this. I'm going to create an, uh, the same link that you guys used before to fill out the questionnaire. Let's get, uh, here, let me, uh, I'm going to create it right now. Give me a second. So I'm going to close this just so you make sure you write it down if you need it. Mind, heart, body, goals, purpose. Everybody with your pen and paper, write your pie chart. How much of those things are each important in your life? So you can do it by priority. You can just say one, two, three, four, five. You can do it by percentage. Yeah, I would No, I would assign numbers. I would assign numbers. Okay. Percentage. That's a good way to do it. So let's, um, we are going to... Uh, I need a quick question. That's it. I'd love to, uh, to write in the write in the the chat. I'd love to hear some feedback on this. Where, where where are you holding? What are you thinking about? Are you lost? Are you here with us? Are you not sure? You can also send me private chats. Yeah, so now if you go to the link, um, if you go to the link, once you've figured it out on your paper, if you wanna just, it's anonymous, uh, you go to the link that's on the Socrative website. Uh, If you go to that link now, it should be showing you a new activity um, where you can just enter. Can you repost the link in the in the uh, with in the uh, chat here? The same link. Um, is it the same link? I have it here. The same link from before. Okay, I will I will post it again. The same link. Uh, people want more explanation of each of the five categories. Yeah. Heart and mind. So let's talk about that for a second. Let's yeah, just absolutely. put it back as people are filling out the Socrative. Can we um can we put it back up on the screen and just talk a little more about it and give some examples? Absolutely. Let me share my screen. All right, there we go. So I think we talked about body a little bit. Heart. Um so emotions. Uh, let's talk about the limbic system. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, so I, I you know, and if anybody here, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I read, uh, it's the, it was the number one New York Times bestseller, you know, uh, Oprah's new book with, uh, she writes with a psychiatrist and psychologist about trauma. Really fascinating book, uh, what, what, happened, uh, what Happened to You, is what it's called. So um, really, really interesting. You know, our, so it talks about the limbic system, which is, you know, your kind of emotional um, response to things. It's a little bit subconscious, the sympathetic and the parasympathetic nervous system. So, you know, it talks about flight or flight. It talks about, uh, you know, a disassociation. There's a whole system of emotion that's happening in the, in your, the limbic system connected to your brain. Um, when you meet somebody, when you meet anybody, you have a kind of reaction to them. Um, uh, that's the reaction of the heart. Uh, it's really important to point out also, um, the, the reactions you have to people each, you know, from each of these things are, are in the moment, they're involuntary. Part of the problem is that we're in denial very often about ourselves. Uh, when it comes to these different, you know, parts of ourselves, one of them, sometimes we like to deny things about our body, about our, about our emotions, about our beliefs and values. And therefore, we're also in denial about the way we react to other people as well. So um, you might have a body thing. Some people are more upfront about it. You know, I have a certain type, like, you know, fine, be upfront about that. That's okay. Um, and some people are embarrassed to, to say that. They think they're gonna be judged. Uh, we have some weird things going on in our emotions. Maybe we have some strange beliefs. So I have seen so many people who have a type or who have something that they say, oh, I have to have this. And it's a real non-negotiable. And then they meet that person. And then all of a sudden everything moves away. And I'll say to them, but what happened about all that stuff that you had? And, and it's not necessarily the case. So how do you know when it's true and when it's not true? Yeah, well, that's actually, that's, I wanna go to the results now. We're gonna start seeing some results. And this is how you know. Um, so mine 50%, heart 50%. Okay, so somebody wrote 50% heart, 50% mind. Where's your body, mm. right? You don't have any goals and you don't have a body. This is important. Where's your body? You're not a, dis you're not a disembodied uh, soul, you know, floating around somewhere. I used to be in denial of my body. Mm. You know, I had a lot of conflict between my religious self and my older self, you know, had a big fight about that. Actually, that was part of the problem. I had to acknowledge that I have a body. That's okay. Right. <laughs> um, mine 20, so 20, 20, so body 40%. So if your body really takes up a lot of your life, right? If that's a really, really, if that's who you are, so um, you, you wait it. When you're looking at, you're meeting someone, um, you're, you're going to weight that a little bit heavier. Right. Right. You're going you're, you're gonna to come and you're going to say, I'm a body person. This is a really important thing in my life. I'm going to put a little bit more weight on that. Notice though, that it's 40% and the other things are 20%. So it's not everything, it's not even half. So the, all the other things here could outweigh it. Interesting, right, how that works. So the person who says, you know, 50% heart um, 
I want to love and be loved. And kindness moves the rest along with that acceptance. And without shared goals and values, the heart isn't fed. So the, so the rest is sharing the other 50%. Can you say that, that it's 50% heart and the rest is sharing the other percent, even, even body? Yeah, it's important to identify what your lead foot is. What, like, what's your? That's the important thing. There, you know, you, many of us have a thing that that leads. That's like really, you know, significant for us. And so we need to, you know, we need to uh, start with that. Lead with that, right? That's the first thing. If you're whatever your number one is, especially if it's fifty percent or more, you're probably going to want to consult with that part of yourself and say. That's the first part you're talking to and saying, hey, body, are you attracted? Hey, emotions, what are your feelings here? Hey, mind, okay, then here's somebody asked, you know, what emotion, you know, uh, emotions um, are a little bit difficult to talk about, you know, how your heart feels about somebody. Um, I'm not a terribly emotional person, um, but, um, so for me, because I'm not a terribly emotional person, the emotional content of a date, of a conversation is, is not quite as significant for me. That's just how I am. For somebody else, there's got to be this kind of emotional interplay back and forth. Emotional content to the conversation, a lot of emotions being shared, being communicated, if that's really important to them. Um, that's gonna be somebody else. Um, mind is talking about, you know, what are your values? Do you have, what are, not only that, but the intellectual part of the relationship, how important is it that you have a sparring partner? Right. For someone who's going to, I was having a conversation with somebody who's recently divorced. And um, I said, well, how did you know you were attracted to her? in the first place, like what got you married? And he said, this guy is real brainy. He's one of the brainiest people I know. And he said, she could keep up with me. Mm. That's what it was based on. The problem was that he forgot about everything else. So she could keep up with him, very nice. Um, forgot about the body, forgot about the heart. Forgot about everything else. Forgot about the soul, the values and goals, right. So often people who fall in love, they're they may be falling for one element and leaving the other four behind. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you find, if you, he, he's, this guy's 60% mind. So he found someone who really checked off that box mm -hmm. and then he just forgot about everything else. And that's where all the problems started. That, uh, that makes a lot of sense. So that idea of falling a lot in love. Yeah. It's possible where we can acknowledge that. Yes, this could happen but you may also be letting go of 80% or what could possibly be 80% or four other really important things by quote unquote falling in love. Uh, the person who said 50-50 mind and heart just messaged me and said, um, she says, or he says, I'm not good in math and this seemed to be the easiest for me. As I took it to mean when looking for a match, I think about it rationally, and then how do I feel about it? And goals are important, but I try not to focus on the body of others as I don't want them to judge me based on my body. Okay, so hold, hold, So this is important. Mm -hmm. I try not to focus 
Right. Now, the reason you put the word try in there is because you can't not focus and you're trying not to because you don't want to be judged. So you have, that's an ulterior motive. Yeah. Okay. So that's, I don't, that doesn't sound very good to me because that's denying something. So you don't want to be judged. So you're, you're, you're going to try, which means you're going to pretend. That's the way it sounds to me. You're going to pretend that it doesn't matter. It does matter. It's painful to acknowledge that it matters a little bit. Um, that's painful if you're not happy with your body, right? That, that's not a pleasant place to be, but don't run away from that pain. That's not going to serve you. That's not pleasant. That's painful. Maybe that'll spur you to, you know, to do something and maybe it'll inspire some soul searching. That pain is very valuable uh, for you to figure this and figure it out. You don't want you don't want to run away from that pain by just ignoring it. And that's why I made the disembodied comment um, because I picked that up. Um, you, it's very tempting to want to ignore the body. I did for a while. Bad, very bad. Okay. Um, I was dating girls who I was not attracted to. I'm a mind person. So I met, if I met a girl who was all mind was all in there was if there, if the mind was hundred percent for me, um, I would just go with that. Forget about my body. Who cares about that? That's would have been really bad. I would have not fulfilled love your fellow as yourself. Uh, um, yeah. yeah. I would have not fulfilled that. Um, now how do I know if it's healthy attraction? Really important question here, because here we're assigning numbers and there's a lot of numbers. We're actually going to talk about levels of intensity, which is a numbers game, but there's also qualitative differences. And we're going to talk about the personality factors. We're going to talk about the quality, some of the qualitative differences uh, that come with this. And this is where it gets really fun when you are meeting someone. If you guys are dating someone, you put, we can do this exercise together. You can put intensity to it. You know, these are the different factors. You can weight them. We're going to talk about how intense the attraction is. But there's, you know, mind, for example. There's so many different ways of being intelligent. Um, I happen to be a person who most people would consider academic, right? I'm, I, I, I have a master's degree. I'm great at reading and writing books. Um, I'm, you know, people consider me more of an academic type. I'm terrible with losing things. Okay, I'm, I'm, and I'm really bad at all, being all kinds of street smart. I'm really bad at understanding people sometimes. I actually, the only reason I can give these classes is because I'm so bad at understanding people that I actually had to think about it and study it so I can teach it. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, Rabbi Bernath um, is a natural at understanding people. That's why he's the matchmaker, right? Um, so there's different kinds of intelligence. And that's where things start to get interesting, where it's like, what kind of intelligence um, do I need? Do I need a contrast? Do I need someone who's like me so we can have these conversations that are really fun? And, you know, we can like talk about all the same things. Or do I need someone who's going to challenge me? Challenging me is an interesting part of attraction. Sometimes the person you hate in a certain way, sometimes that is kind of love in disguise right like oh she you know it's it's almost like a movie trope at this point you know i'm so frustrated by this person in a, in a certain way you know yeah your wife or your husband is going to frustrate you that that could be a very good thing actually that actually is one of the one of the big parts of attraction is we're different that could, not for everyone 
but for some people, um, you know, that, that can be really interesting. So how is he or she smart? Are they smart in a different way than I am? That actually, um, so, and again, so let me take a step back. We talk about attraction. And like I said, there's as many ways to feel about people as there are people in the world. You want, do you want a friend or do you want a husband or wife? Do you want a colleague, a coworker who you work well with, or do you want a husband or wife? So the next thing you can do with your pen and paper, you know, now that you have the weights and you see what's the most important thing for you, start with the most important one and talk about, make some lines from there. Okay. Start with your most important piece of the pie and make some lines and start talking about, even if you have to think of specific people in your life, let's say you're a mind person like me. What are the different ways that you attract, that you interact with someone through your mind? Uh, you know, an ideal friend, an ideal coworker, an ideal acquaintance, an ideal. And then which one of those ways for you do you think is best for a spouse? And if you're not sure, it's fine. We'll, we'll get into that in a little bit about uh, what is good for a spouse. Can you, can you let's do it right now i want to talk about that right now yeah, but go ahead I think that's go very ahead. important first of all what's good for a spouse and things that are not good things that you would think are good but they're really not good yeah yeah so this is really important what do you what do spouses do all day mm. so there's two things spouses do there's three things all right um you know so the when you're when you're single you think that it's all about, you know, physical intimacy. Maybe you think that. So that's a pretty small percentage of your time, okay? That's just one part of being married. Uh, there's a lot of other things going on. Uh, most of your time is spent kind of accomplishing things and doing things. That's important. So, you know, that's the coworker, the colleague who, you know, there, so there's an element of, of uh, we lost the screen, that's okay. No, I just, I just stopped the sharing. Yeah. Oh yeah, perfect, okay. So there's an element of, you know, body, physical, you know, uh, physical attraction and intimacy. Okay. So do I feel that? Then there's an element of doing things, trying to accomplish things together. Can we clean the kitchen together? Can we get a job done together? Can we, you know, do complex tasks together? That's the second thing. And then the third, and in my opinion, the most important thing is, can we do nothing to get, do nothing together and have fun at this, doing nothing? Mm. Because most of your time together, once the kids are asleep and the kitchen's clean and the, the tasks for the day are done and it's 9 p.m. like it is right now, right? Now it's time to do nothing. And that is when you're building your relationship, when you're not doing anything. Is that fun? So when you're looking at your pie chart and you're saying, you know, you're thinking about different ways you can be with people, the different parts of yourself can be with other people. What you want to look at is where's the, per, you know, if someone agrees with you, if somebody is, is smart, the exactly the same, the way you are, if somebody is emotional, the same way that you're emotional, has the same emotional makeup as you, they have, you know, the same, they look, they look like you <laughs> body, you know, uh, they have the exact same goals, or maybe they have the complete opposite, whatever it is. The point is, is that it's not just a question of what's easy. It's a question of what is that person that I can sit with them and do nothing and we're just having a ball. Mm. We're just having fun doing nothing together. That's the question. And, and so, why, why do you think that's so important? Because 
There's so many other things. And I'm just asking this because I think of so many people and so many things that, if I could say, plague people when they're looking for someone. You know, we're talking here to people who are looking for someone. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that, I, is, I, like, that is a great thing, but that's all the way down there. That's going to be, you know, how, how do I, what do I have to know today to get to there? And yeah. why haven't I found that yet? I'm not saying, well, me, but I'm saying. I mean, that's a very big question. I mean, why? Uh, why? Why? I can't tell you why. Nobody well, knows why. There's obviously something missing in the puzzle for the person who hasn't found it yet. Yeah, okay. I, I, I can't say why. Nobody can say why. Um, let's be honest about that. So, so, so let's start with this. How do I get from here to here? Here, I'm looking. Right. Uh, people so, are. Are, are I'm applying this to real life. I'm applying yes. this to real life. You're on a date, okay? And by the way, this I, let, let's I want to go before the date. Before the date, how do okay, I know before, the person I'm looking for? Okay, we can't. I don't. I can't talk about before the date yet because you need to know what's you know. You need. I want to talk about a date, and then you can apply that. Use your experience to apply before the date. But you need to okay. go. If you don't know, you just got to go out with people or apply experiences from you know other people that you know in your life. But let's talk about a date for a second. First of all, and I had this conversation with somebody who, you know, fits into this room quite well. I don't know if he's here. I had this conversation, a fellow um, I'm pretty close with asked me, you know, am I attracted, whatever? I'm not sure. And I said, well, what happens when you go out on dates? And he said, we don't go out on dates. And I said, well, there's your problem. Spend a lot of time together, but don't go out, what, don't go out on dates. What's a date? A date is a test. What happens when we sit, we get a drink, we dress up real nice, we look really good, we're not in our sweatpants and hanging out, we both dress up, we both look real good, we sit in a room, we get a little bit of alcohol, maybe, or just a Sprite, if you're coming from the religious background, okay, that's part of the rules, no alcohol, uh, whatever, it's up to you, but I mean, that's what they taught me. So you get a Sprite, you get a drink, whatever it is, and you sit there, what happens next? That is how you get to know how you feel about someone, what you think of them, how your body feels about them, what happens when we sit and do nothing together, okay? That is the ultimate litmus test for a relationship. And that's when you're looking at your internal family system, all the different parts of you and how they can feel about someone else, the context that you wanna have that to find a spouse, not a friend, who you go and do things with, not a colleague who you accomplish tasks with, tasks with, not, you know, anything else, whatever, you know, uh, so, uh, you know, somebody so who I, you do nothing with, that's what a spouse is. So I have two questions to that. Number one is if I'm sitting across the table from somebody and after five seconds, I'm bored, what does that say? Get the hell out. Just like that, but just like that. Okay, you know, if the, unless the person was shy, there was something wrong, they weren't themselves, give them a second chance. All right, give them a second chance, fine. If it doesn't work, you so know. What if, I, what if I'm the kind of person who just gets bored really easily? Well, then you better find someone who keeps you excited because you, unless you want to be bored, some people want to be bored, then you're happy, as long as you're happy. And how do you figure this out in the pandemic when it's not that easy to? Yeah, somebody asked that question. I mean, I guess there's such a thing as Zoom dates. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and well, that's really being able to literally sit across the table from someone. All right, and, go and for a nothing walk. Else but chat. Okay, so go for a walk. Yeah. In 20 below, sure. 
Okay. Yeah, no, not every day is 20 below. All right. Uh, go for a walk or meet online. hundred percent. Both of you have a drink in your hand, put the computer screen on. It's the same thing. Go for it. Even if you live in different provinces, you know, it doesn't have to be in person. Do it online. Start with that. You know, this is, it's perfect. You're sitting in your home, get dressed up. Okay. Don't, don't come to it in your sweatpants, get dressed up, man and woman, men, do your hair, you know, get yourself looking nice. And sit down, get yourself a drink, put the computer on the table. Time, it gets exhausting. I'm looking at people's faces here, and they're saying to me, just with their body expressions, every time, you know how often, if you're single, you have to do this every time? Yeah, it's hell. Absolutely super, super difficult. Um, look, I dated, I dated in person 15 different women over over less than two years okay it was brutal uh, uh, the way that we do it you know with shidduchim you know religious world whatever every date could go for three four hours and accomplishes the same if you're from a secular background it's each date is about a month of a relationship and there's no touching right right we've talked um, about this before touching confuses yeah well whatever <laughs> it can you know a lot of people here are coming from a secular background most of the people in this room and maybe they're doing it so yeah it can it can release a lot of things in your brain that will cause you to overemphasize the body and not see everything else that's a possibility um so you're going to make your own you know decisions about things as rabbis you know we do recommend refraining from you know touching if possible as much as you can and in order to make but that doesn't mean that the body is not part of that the body like the talmud itself said you have to meet you have to look at her she has to look at you you have to see each other okay i want to talk about and we'll get to the face we'll talk about that face thing really interesting is that why it's called seeing each other sorry what is that why it's called seeing each other yeah you're seeing each other but uh yeah so if you're touching you do have the possibility that the body comes and overwhelms things and prevents you from being able to to think about everything else. When, so beware if you decide to do you that. When you finally found that person after fifteen people, did you have any what? ambivalence? Um, I told the the shadchan, I told our matchmaker after the second date that we're probably going to get married. So you we knew right away. Six, how seven hours know, together. How did you know that right away so quickly? Because the exercise that you guys are all doing of, 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 you know, how do I feel about, how do all the different parts of me feel about this person, being honest about what the different parts of me are and how they, and when you do that enough times, um, when the right one comes along, you know it right away because it's just like, oh, it all works. It's mm. all there. Now, the interesting thing though, and um, I have to be careful what I say because my wife is spying on me right now. <laughs> she's here and she's spying on me um not everything was perfect okay not everything was perfect i had to i had to um you know even with the attraction i had a question or two you know let and, and you know what um she can come over here and she can kill me if she wants um <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna talk about it all right i want to talk about something it's really people talked about having a type um so I'll be very honest. Look, look. 
She says she doesn't care. All right, that's good. Uh, <laughs> I can, I've gotten the green light. Um, I'm 5'10". I'm currently dieting a little bit, so I'm losing some weight, I'm around 200 pounds. So I'm looking pretty average, you know, kind of guy. Um, my wife is as tall as I am. And she, you know, she's, she's a bigger person than I am. Okay. And that was confusing for me. It's that simple. I'm going to come out and say, it, you know, I, I, I didn't know I was, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen. That, that was, un, you know, that was unusual for me, just on the other people I met that wasn't really my, you know, not what I was expecting at first. And um, I had conversations, you know, I spoke to Rabbi Bernath, even your mother, right? She uh, advised me and, and everything on that. Mm-hmm. And um, I let it roll. Like I said, after the second date, I had like strong feelings, but that was one part of me. It was just like a little confused. This is, and the confusion was, this isn't what I expected. And the answer to that question is that's okay. We put ourselves into boxes of types of what we think is going to happen, but it was just like, let it roll. There are so many good things here. And that's what I, in, you know, what the first thing I said on that slide, attraction is four dimensional. Okay. And that means that the different pieces are all different dimensions and you can't tell from a picture. They all start to come together and they all interplay with each other. Then things start to happen. If they don't happen, if they don't change, if the attraction doesn't grow, if the different pieces of the puzzle don't start to fit together, then they don't just leave it. And how did you know, how did you know she felt the same way? Um, how did I know she felt the same way? I mean, it's a whole class for itself, but like how to read somebody's face, how to read their body language, right? There's all these signals that you got that you start to exchange with each other. Um, and you need to be aware of what those are. I mean, that's a whole class for, for itself, but I mean, there's a very body language is very powerful. Your body is telling the story the same way your body is telling you the story of what's going on in all the different parts of you. You can actually feel different emotions and, and your mind and you can feel different things in your body. You can also kind of see it in the other person. And, um, you know, the other thing is you can ask at a certain point in the relationship, you should be able, you could open up and just say, let's talk about us and um, be honest and let the other person be honest and know where you stand. If you need to have that conversation then do it. Yeah. I want to open this up to questions. Uh, there's so many questions that came in before. I love to address some of the, some of the questions that, uh, we have from before. And if you have any specific questions, you can put them in the chat um, or you can uh, direct message me and I will ask them for you. Or you can raise your hand and I'll bring you up to the stage and, and uh, you can ask it yourself. Right. So somebody asked any suggestions for someone uh, who has a hard time opening up slash making conversation. Is that something that people experience? Do you have do people have a hard time uh, making a conversation when you're doing nothing with somebody else? Well, there's a lot of that awkward, dead, people have a hard time with the silence, especially when you don't know someone, that awkward silence in the beginning is very strange and definitely 
uh, really difficult. So yes, that's something so, that comes up more I'm, often than not. Yeah, there's a lot of different possible answers to that. I'm just going to shoot one out there, a little bit more of an unorthodox one that maybe you wouldn't hear normally. Um, you're having trouble, okay? You might be trying to date the wrong kind of people. If you're an introvert, and we're going to get, we're going to do personality at some point. If you're an introvert, you might need someone who's more talkative, who fills the space a little bit more and brings you out, right? You're, what's implied there, you're, you have, you're having a hard time opening up and making conversation. You might be dating other people who also have a hard time opening up and making conversation. Mm. That might not be fun for you. you. That might not be a good kind of person for you to do nothing together with and for you to have fun doing nothing with if you're both that kind of person. So that might be a signal. You Why is it that the ones I like aren't interested and the ones I'm not interested in chase me? Holy moly. Woo! <laughs> Rabbi Brunath, I, I defer to you on that one. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, there's so much that could happen. Again, I think it comes back down to what your priorities are. And you know, you, you have to ask yourself, what am I really interested in? You have to ask yourself, what is it all about? And what am I after? Is it just this game that I'm trying to play? Is it just to fill a space? Is it because I'm lonely? Is it because I want companionship? I want a family? You have, I, I think that there needs to be a priority to some direction to what your intention of relationship is. And so then it doesn't become this thing that, oh, well, I'm not interested in them. Well, how do you know you're not interested in them if they're chasing after you? How do you know that? Why? Because you don't like people chasing after you? So you're not interested in that? You're not interested in that action of someone chasing after you? How, how do you know? They're, well, what, what sign did that person tell you? They're annoying? Well, maybe you didn't give them a chance. I would say if you're having that experience consistently a lot, it's like you need to sit down with someone and have a, have a real coach. Oh, by the way, that's an important, important thing. Let's do our plug. Uh, Rabbi Bernath and I both do one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, we also, we have a class that we're going to be, that we're going to reopen at some point, a uh, mm -hmm. small group class for people who are doing like the more Shiduchim style thing. And even uh, secular have, people uh, can benefit from it. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone can benefit. So we do have like, a, it's a six class intensive. We go through exactly step-by-step step with charts and everything, exactly how to go through the shit system. Um, and we really break it down. Um, we're going to try to publish that in a book. I think it's a really cool system. The other thing is we are available and we can both provide one-on-one -on -one coaching. And actually that question is the kind of question, um, you know, I, I'm having this experience where this weird thing is always happening. Like, that makes me stop and say, I'm not just going to throw out an answer here. Um, I want to talk to you. You can come. That's, that's, that sounds like a situation. We need to talk about that, you know, about what, you know, I need to dig into that a little bit. So some of this, and we're available. If you feel like you need someone to, uh, somebody just ask how to get in touch about coaching. So I'm going to post our public facing email addresses right now. 
Rabbi Bernath, his public facing email address is rabbi at jewishindg.com. Rabbi Bernath, you can, and you can also go to the you can also go to the love rabbi.com. Yeah, the love, where we have a website. You can go right there and message right from there. Um, yeah, the love rabbi.com. And I'm going to post my email address. You can reach me at rabbi josh at jewishindg.com. Um, I, you know, and, and I say this, and I say this, and I know so many singles hate when I say this, but I'm going to say it again. You are going to be the common denominator in all your failed relationships. And very often it's hard to face yourself and say, it's about me too. It doesn't have to be, it's also about me. I am part of this. It's not only about the other person. It's not only about the people who are chasing after me, or I'm not chasing after them or all it's not it's it's also about me too and we really have to have a conversation about that yeah it's uh, not just also about you you're the only thing that you can control you can't control what everyone else is doing you can only control what you're doing and this is part of the course we philosophically believe that dating is supposed to be a linear story where you're the hero that's part of our philosophy and that's part of what we teach we can do coaching on that and we do that in our class you are the hero of your dating story you have to figure out what is the story? Where am I starting? And where am I going? What's the narrative? Where's this taking me? What are the lessons that I'm not learning? Right? There's something we believe this is a philosophical or religious belief almost. Um, I'd love to get to some more questions here. Uh, the person is meeting your emotional needs. Maybe not as intellectual as you hoped. They have a good heart and a lot of common ground, but you're still feeling uneasy. Do you go or do you stay? Can you give me the first part of that again? They're meeting your emotional needs. Mm -hmm. They're not as intellectual as you hoped. Mm -hmm. but they have a good heart and you have a lot of common ground. Mm -hmm. But you're feeling uneasy. Okay. Feeling uneasy is okay. That's fine. Yeah. Feeling uneasy uh, is normal. There's no problem with that. Yeah. My question would be, is it possible that that person might maybe has, like I was saying before, maybe they're intellectual in a different way that you don't value. So this might be a belief thing. Do you have any conceited ideas about your own intellectual, you know, value and, and, and of what you do? If you, if I would, for example, I, if I was obsessed with being a, an academic type and I thought that was so like all that mattered, I would overlook other types of intelligence. You know, I might, a lot of academic people look down on people who are not so into, into academics. And they don't think it's the smart. They think everything's in academics. Um, and uh, it's okay. You know, my wife's not the academic type. And she's a hell of a lot smarter than me in 95% of the world. Okay. And, but it's, you know, that's hard to acknowledge. You know, if you think you're so smart, you're so good, you, you know, you have degrees and you have this and you're, you know, you think you're all that. Um, are you missing? So my question to that person would be the first thing to look at for me that I don't know if this is true, but the first thing I would look at, are you not appreciating what they bring to the table? Are you not appreciating mm. that you can ask a question and they're going to come at it from such a different angle than you are. And they're going to take that conversation to such a different place than you expected it to go. Again, a lot of it is about expectations and, you know, my type, this is what, I said before, this is not what I expected, but I let it go. I let my expectations go and I just let things be what they were instead of what I expected them to be. And that's, okay, you know what? I think that's important. We're, we're, we've never expressed it in those words, right? We let our expectations of what we think 
we want, what we think we need, what we think our type is, we let those expectations ruin it because we spend the entire date seeing things through the lens of our expectations instead of saying, well, this is different than what I expected. I'm going to let go of my expectations. I'm just going to see what happens right. without become, letting my expectations ruin it. You become married to an idea and not a person. Exactly. I'm just going to accept this for what it is. I'm going to drop everything that I thought was supposed to be. And let's just see what happens. Yeah. I did that. I personally did that. I let my expectations go. I said, this is not what I expect. You know, this is like I was saying before, you know, it's hard for me to talk about, you know, and it's a sensitive subject, but that's where I was. And I, I just let it go. And you know what? I would say most of the relationships that I have seen uh, lead to engagement and, and, and marriage, um, so people have let go of expectations, which means you have an idea that's good. It's great. But at some point you have to say, this is for me. Uh, another question came in, how do you deal with rejection? If people say no, despite doing your best and putting your best effort into a date, what do you do next? Can there be a trait or a feeling that I'm putting out that needs to be fixed? Okay, so how you deal with rejection is joy. That's how you deal with rejection. Now, that's not gonna happen, all right? <laughs> um, here's the thing. You could meet someone, I had this experience, all right? When I talked about what was so hard about meeting 15 different girls in less than two years, and the problem with dating is that you might, you might get 80% of the way with somebody. I have, I, have a kid, I have a kid who's appearing. Oh my God, <laughs> kid woke up. All right, that's not supposed to happen. All right, let's, let's focus. We have, you might have somebody that there's so much good thing. There's so many good things about them. There are so many things that you like about them, but they might not be the right person. So that sucks. In the religious world, it's very common that if you stop dating a girl, you will never see her again. You don't, there's no, okay, we'll stay friends. In the secular world, it's more common. You don't break up with anyone. You say, I'd like to stay friends. And you know? what do you think about that staying friends thing? I don't have an opinion. It's not my business. Okay. But, um, you know, you do, you do whatever works for you. You know, that's your whatever. But uh, I'm just saying in the religious world to understand where I'm coming from. And many of the people, we have 40% of the people here are might be dating like that. That it's rough. Okay. Yeah. And even if you're friends, it's a euphemism, you know, you might just kind of fall out of contact also. It can be really rough. Um, and so the rejection can sting because there's a lot of things you liked about them. There, there, there might've been one thing that was amazing about them and it hurts and it's really hard to go through that. Um, so let's acknowledge that. But yeah. the thing is, is that they weren't the right person to marry. And at the end of the day, after a few days of eating ice cream, which is cool, take your days, eat your ice cream. All right. I did. Um, recover, be sad for a few days. It's all good. You go through that process and you realize that I need to learn something from this. This is a good thing. I need to have the joy. I'm learning something. I have to analyze. I need to think about, not deny, not run away from. I need to look straight at this thing that happened. I need to you know, learn from it and move closer to the final goal, but you won't get closer if you don't analyze and if you don't think about and learn from 
the failed relationship because every failed relationship is a stepping stone to get you to where you want to go and you can't get there without the failed relationship that's really powerful so, every failed relationship is a stepping stone to where you want to go yeah unless that's you true. ignore the messages and then you just then you're walking in circles so that's when get linear stop walking in circles if that's been an issue um, um next question that, that came in how important mm -hmm. is it for a woman to respect her prospective spouse what if the guy has traits that you value but you don't respect how they spend their time and other things about them do you have to i think essentially the question is do you have to respect every part of them um everything about them Okay, I mean, look, the, at, we're talking in absolutes, every or none of, that's not gonna work. You know, everything is relative. Um, you know, respect is quite important. You you know, there are some things when it comes to a guy, you know, I, I, I like science fiction and my wife doesn't get it, all right? So <laughs> in our marriage, in our course on dating, we talk about red light, yellow light, green light, okay? So you don't, have to agree with absolutely everything value-wise, you know, uh, about a prospective spouse. You're not going to agree on everything. Now, what you have to agree on are the things that really, really, really matter to you and the things that matter to your relationship. So there has, if there are things that are really important to you and that are relevant to the relationship, um, then you probably want to have a green light on those. You probably want to be really on the same page so give me an example of that. So if I spend my time, you know, reading sci-fi, um, if my personal time, don't let it interfere with other things, my relationship, whatever, you know, is it my wife's business? She doesn't respect that. She doesn't like, she doesn't think it's mature or, okay, sci-fi. What if it's like dumb, you know, juvenile comedy? It's not really her business. She doesn't have to respect that. Um it's it's you know it's my business it doesn't it's not it doesn't relate to our relationship it's not really that important then i would say you know you let that go you can have a yellow light you can have a yellow light or you can have a red light on that you can not really respect that it's not your business you know a guy has some sort of dumb thing he likes to do um if he's spending most of his time doing it so that it affects your relationship then it's very much your business um if it if it's related to a very big and important part of your life and it's and it's in your and it's important part of the relationship then it really matters so if you need help figuring that out then you know you should talk to someone who uh who uh, can invite advise you on that um but yeah respect can be quite important to, as a general idea you know respect is related to values you know what the other person's values are uh, but again, the problem is some people have no non-negotiable values and they just, okay, it's all good. And then like, oh my God, we don't have values. Like we don't know how to raise the same kid. We have different, you know, and that's important. Uh, and then some people have like a long list of values that have to be exactly the same. And it's like, no, what he does to entertain himself, you know, in his own time or whatever it is, not your business, let it go. I often find that people put fake values to, because they're trying to mask other things. I'll give you an example. I had a, a, someone this week who was in their mid-40s and demanded that um, I not set them up with anyone over 35. And I don't understand what that has to do. I mean, I understand that he's saying that 
he his value is that he wants children. I'm happy that he woke up at 44 years old and decided that he wants children. I'm proud of him. But at the same time, he doesn't get to decide that. I don't think it's fair for him to decide that 35 years old is his, is, is his stage. There's a number of reasons why. Number one is because there's no, there's no saying that someone who is 20 years old that will, will have children. And there's no saying that someone who's 44 years old won't have children. Number two is that I think that when it comes to, and in general, when it comes to these huge age gaps, you're putting aside a lot of other things where if you're going to be in a relationship and that relationship is going to be successful, companionship, especially as you get older, is going to become one of the most important things in that relationship. And so therefore, you don't want to put that aside for the sake of other things. And I understand that there's a lot of people out there who think about various things, and I know that it's gets, it gets tough, but if you really want to get married, then you have to think about what is the most important thing to you. And if it's just, I want to perpetuate, procreate the species, well, then what are we talking about when it comes to marriage? Yeah, Rabbi, I have a good, I have a question that came in privately. Sure. Uh, I wanted to do address quickly. Can you, very, very quick. Can you please share some signs that this is not a good fit? Yeah, I that's something so really hard. important. Yes, thank you. Whoever sent that, yeah. Yeah, and, she, and uh, this person continues, I try so hard and try and talk myself into it and that is not good. And you have answered your own question. <laughs> this is called metacognition the ability to think about the way you're thinking metacognition if you realize what that you're trying to talk yourself into it that is the sign yeah <laughs> when you you think about the way you're thinking metacognition oh my god i'm trying to talk myself into this i need to stop this is bad right um all right so i wanted to I want, I want to talk about intensity of um, intensity of attraction. So I've got a slide on that. Can I share my screen? Sure. Let's do this quickly. All right. So this is the attraction spectrum. Keep your questions coming. We'll answer them soon. Just keep your questions coming, whether they're in the public chat or private chat. We will get yeah. to that. Oh, I so, love Oh, there's yeah. some good questions well, coming. Yeah. So this is the attraction spectrum. I put some numbers in from on a scale of zero to 10, right? Mm. So starting with repulsion, you feel disgusted by something. That's what we call a minus three. Okay. That's, that's, that's not good, obviously. You know? Okay. Tolerance. You're okay with something. Click means that you really, that's what I call click. We click, it clicks. It just fits. It's nice and comfortable. You really like something. And then we have infatuation when you are obsessed by something. Um, so I think that for most things on the attraction spectrum, click is where you want to be. You want to have like a nice attract feeling of attraction for something. There are some things that you're going to tolerate. Um, there's some things that you're going to tolerate. Repulsion can be very tricky to deal with. That's that, you know, that's not a good thing, obviously. Yeah, In but fact, often it's important to say that often things that repulse you immediately may be very good for you because it means you care and it matters. So it may be yeah. 
because it's the opposite of attraction. Yeah. So with that, maybe you want to consult with somebody, but the most mm -hmm. dangerous of all of these things is actually infatuation. If somebody's repulsed, you know, I'll say, all right, you know, I, when, when I see infatuation, that's when I get worried. That is the, this is the most dangerous. Yeah. Okay. Because this is where really bad stuff can happen. Um, I've experienced this is where you're putting other things aside and you're not looking at the full picture. Yeah. I've experienced infatuation. Okay. Infatuation is what is Hollywood love. It's what they present to you in a rom-com, you know, um, infatuation is the experience of losing touch with yourself because of this other person, somebody who is just like, they, they, they just completely overwhelm your system and you become a different person all of a sudden and you don't recognize yourself if you'd stop and think you don't really recognize yourself and um yeah just all anything any issues just get lost right over you're completely lost this is real and um it doesn't go away it doesn't go away you will that will stick with you you you're saying in, in other relationships, you'll continue to be infatuated. No, 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 no. I, that person, even if you break up with them, you'll never be able to shake the feeling. Wow. Yeah, it stays. So, yeah, um, that that that's important. So, you know, Rabbi Bernath, you were saying before, you know, people, maybe we were talking, you know, people are dating and they're waiting for something to happen, right? This is what mm -hmm. they're waiting for. They're waiting for infatuation. Now, click can be really strong. Now, when I talk about click, when I say click, it's because two puzzle pieces are fitting together. You have your identity. You're there. You're present. You know who you are, right? You have not just let go of your identity and, you know, turned it into something else. And so you're there, you're present, and the other person is present, and you really like it. You feel really good about it. You really like it. And you feel like you fit. But you're not losing your mind. You're not like, you know, becoming someone else. I think that is, that's where you're going to want to have. Um, that's, that's your goal for the overall feeling. Um, it's, it's important to, to say that. Okay. Uh, we have a few more questions and then maybe we'll do the personality factors. Well, let's just do the personality thing because we're, we are going to have to come to a close soon and I want to get to everyone's questions. So let's finish the last slide and then we're going to go to questions. All right. So um, before I go to the slide and everyone gets distracted about what's on that side, let's talk about the, so a really, the, what I think is the, the primary way of talking about attraction that we can really have a good conversation about. It covers you know, a cross section of all the different parts of you is when we talk about the word personality. Okay, so personality is, um, I believe that it's the main driver of attraction. Mm. That's like the, the, that's really primary. Now, what's interesting about personality is that it is both body and soul. So we talk about body attraction, we talk about, you know, motion, mind, soul attraction, you know, all these different things, uh, which is great. But um, so personality comes through a person's body and also their soul. 
Uh, one I'm getting double feedback here. Hold on a second. Um, Probably because someone else has their screen on, the, the, their thing on. Okay, that should be better. Yeah. All right. So Maimonides said, talked about the face, right? And the interesting thing about the face is that it's a, it's a primary point of focus of attraction for men and for women. All right. It's a very, very important one. And this is supported by Maimonides himself when he talks about you need to look her in the face. She needs to look you in the face. And that's really important. Why is that so important? Because attraction is a 4D experience, four-dimensional experience. And you experience those four dimensions face-to-face. -face. You see it in the face of the other person. Because in the face of the other person, you see their soul. That's what panim in Hebrew face. The word panim is from the word pimi, means inner internal. So you see the inner person, they talk about the eyes, right? Everybody knows the eyes, eyes are the gateway to the soul, and really the face. Uh, we talk about looking at a photograph, Robert Bernath brings it up a lot. You're seeing a millisecond, you're seeing a moment in time crystallized, you're seeing one state. We, in every moment, Every 10 seconds, we have like 25 different faces. That's why the Hebrew word for face, panim, is always plural. We're wearing a different face every millisecond. And there's scientific research on this. Micro expressions, micro emotions, okay? And when you see a picture of someone, you're seeing a, a flash frozen moment of their soul state in that millisecond. And that can be useful. That can be useful if you put it in context and you say, this is, you know, a really sliver, mo a slim moment of what is supposed to be a 4D experience. So you can use it as building your understanding of the person, of what they look like and how they express themselves. But attraction is not just what you see in a picture. You know, it's, it's I, I, I use pictures, but I use them, try to, I tried to be smart about it and not judge if I was attracted just from a picture, but I tried to say, you know, the people, you know, and also, you know, they're posing, you know, and for, you know, like, you know, the picture on a profile, you know, uh, I, I uh, you know, social media, a lot of people are out there and you can see people in candid, real situations and you can kind of get to know them a little bit, their personality and see them start to put, start to put the four dimensional picture together a little bit um, with some, you know, proper, you know, pictures of them in different places. I saw a picture of my wife, the woman who's now my wife, when we were, before we were dating, she posted online of her in an amazing, beautiful place. She was traveling and I got to see how happy she was capable of being. I got to see her smile and I got to see, I saw, wow, this person is capable of such incredible happiness. I saw that in her face and I said, that is something that I'm attracted to. Not just the physical, but I, I love that she's capable of these amazing emotions because I, I'm sure as hell not, but I really like that she can do that. And uh, it's really important to me. Um, so I think that when Maimonides talks about the face, the face is the meeting point of the physical and the spiritual. That's really, really, really important. It tells you a lot about who a person really is and it gets underemphasized. The spiritual aspect of it gets cheapened and underemphasized by our very visual society, you know? And so to me, the face is pure spirituality. Um, and there's a physical element to it of 
uh, you know, uh, but there's the physical element is actually just an expression of a spiritual beauty um, of the way a person expresses themselves is so complex and so incredible. And uh, so the last thing we're going to do tonight is we're going to look at personality and that, you know, has a lot to do with, the, with what we talked about the person's face. So uh, this is a big subject. I can do a two-hour class on just this. This is a huge subject. This is a life-changing thing to understand. The big five per personality factors, five personality factors. This is, um, you know, I, I studied educational psychology. So, you know, a lot of different things in psychology. There's a lot of junk. Most of psychology is junk. Uh, a lot of it is studies that are not reproducible. Um, a lot of it has been debunked. A lot of concepts in psychology are based on weird theories that don't have basis. Um, a lot of them are, you know, for example, I'll give you an example. Everyone here is sort of cognitive dissonance, right? Cognitive dissonance. You think, okay, there's this thing called cognitive dissonance. Guess what? It only exists in people who go to college, apparently. And all the people they study for these psychology, for psychology uh, tests are always undergrads in college, right? People who don't go to college, many of them don't experience um, cognitive dissonance because you're actually trained to experience cognitive dissonance by a certain type of academic background. And so a lot of people who are not college educated never experience cognitive dissonance. Um, but psychology just assumed it existed for everyone because the studies were all using undergrads at school at, at college. Just one of many examples of this or studies that cannot be reproduced and therefore not real science. So big five personality factors are really good science, empirically reproduced over decades, um, not based on any weird theories, based on just an empirical analysis of the way that we understand personalities and you use some lexicographical techniques, words to put together how we talk about personality into these really convenient, easy to talk about packages, into big five packages. And you, so the acronym here is CANOE, C-A-N-O-E, CANOE, okay? And um, you can, there's a test, we'll publish the link, you know, free test you can take with 50, you know, uh, scale of one to five questions, you know. Um, you answer those 50 questions, you can get a score for yourself of where you are on each of these factors. So each of these is a spectrum. And what gets really interesting is I believe a big, I answered this to the person who said, I get bored on these dates and I talk about extroversion and introversion, but I tell this to a lot of people, um, we're very often attracted to people with a specific kind of personality that you can talk about on the spectrum and you can look for patterns and you realize, hey, um, it really works when I'm with someone who is not conscientious. That really works for me. That's really important to me. So conscientiousness is orderly and or industrious. Someone who's on time, someone who's organized, someone who's, you know, someone you want to hire as a secretary needs to be really conscientious. Someone you want to, um, I don't know, be uh, a starving artist or, you know, to, you know, to kind of freelance. Maybe you don't want that person to be conscientious. You want them to, or you, somebody you want to go on vacation with. To, you know, you don't want them to be organizing and planning every second of the day. You just want to do nothing. You want you don't need industriousness right now. You're on vacation. Okay. So there's different kinds of people, conscientious versus the not conscientious people. I am not conscientious. So I was advising someone dating and she was a very conscientious girl. 
and she was getting put together with all these very conscientious guys and she was bored they were they, they you know they could have been good co-workers but um she met this guy who was really not conscientious and it didn't work out with him for some other reasons he had some values that were a little messed up but she was really attracted to him and it was because he wasn't conscientious and we picked that out and then she found another guy who was also you know not so conscientious like just a little bit more out there you know not so orderly a little you know but he was he had some good values he counterbalanced that with some good values you know a good uh, you know responsibility from a good family all that kind of stuff and it worked and she was attracted to him because he wasn't conscientious his personality he was free flowing and just she loved it um, and they're married and very happy so that's how that goes sometimes we need to flip one of these letters agreeable people pleaser likes to say yes versus someone who's a little bit more antagonistic um and uh who's gonna you know someone who knows how to say no and somebody you know they're on look they're extremes here you know a person who's a prison guard or a police officer tend to be really really not agreeable like there's extremes the least agreeable people in our society are the people you find in prison um there are extremes here but you know somebody knows how to say no um the same girl i was talking about was very agreeable and it was important for her to find someone who's a little bit less agreeable um she found you know that was important for attraction people tried to set her up with people who were just like her it didn't work neuroticism the negative dark emotions lots of emotional ups and downs these are people who tend to be a little bit more um interesting artistic have interesting emotional lives versus the opposite of neurotic is emotionally stable where you're like me and really emotionally boring okay <laughs> <laughs> so um you know that's that can be uh sometimes you need someone who's the same sometimes you need someone who's different open to new experiences means being creative and adventurous somebody who's close to new experiences is somebody who likes a little bit more habits uh, uh, you know ritual doing the same thing every day you know somebody who has a job where they do the same thing have the same expectations every day they need to they need to be close to new experiences to be able to do that Someone who's open to new experiences is going to die if they do that job. They need to be doing something different every day. They need something more creative. Extroverted and introverted is the classic definition. Someone who gains energy from talking to people and they're going to be more assertive. They're going to be more engaging conversationally. Um, versus someone who's introverted could really could have great one-on-one -on -one conversations. They're going to be a little bit more overwhelmed by social situations. They're going to need quiet time. They're going to be drained from doing things around other people but the person who's introverted is also going to have a lot of deep kind of thoughts and have a little bit more you know still waters run deep you know as they say they're going to have a little bit more of a certain type of depth um, that you can find with introverts um let's go back to some questions because we're going to have to come to a close just in a few minutes and i want to make sure that i get to, that we get to the questions uh somebody asks here i know about a man who pretended to be 52 Okay, fine. Basically, I know a man who uh, who rejected someone based on age. Um, eventually, they admitted that they were much older. Um, how? What do you do about that kind of situation? So, in that kind of situation, that's why I love you know the idea of having a matchmaker and having a go between because those kind of things won't happen uh, when someone people are vetted. So, if you're meeting by yourself, it's very hard. To be able to deal with that here's a great question that came in the person says i don't like dating at all especially in the beginning 
one thing I did realize is because I don't know my best self. I know that I'm freaking awesome and whoever ends up marrying me will be pretty lucky. I wanna feel this way with the guy I married. I've just never had the place or space to be myself and explore and get to know who I am and what I stand for, what my values are, and all this a part of for who I am. I feel like I know exactly who I am though, and I have to work so much harder in figuring out while I'm dating. It's like having these amazing skills, but I'm not gonna practice building on these skills, and I'm not going to be so good at them even if I was born with them. So what's happening is, what if I understand this person correctly, is the dating experience is not lending itself to, for them to be able to be flattering to, to another person. So they're seeing that kind of dissonance um, between who they are and how they date. Right, well, that person said that they're not developed, like they haven't had a chance or ability to develop or and explore themselves. That was in there, right? Yes. So that's really important. Um, if you're living in a place, maybe you're living with your parents, if you're younger or living in different situations or you're in different places in your life or your job or where you can't or haven't been able to explore yourself, then that's step one. You can't know who you're going to marry without knowing yourself, without going there and digging into that. It's just like, that the beginning of the that that six part course we give the first two lessons are all about you and then the rest of it is also all about you and a little bit about the other person you're going to meet it's really all about you i see rachel smiling rachel <laughs> knows all about that right uh we you know we can talk about that but uh that's where it starts if you haven't been able to explore and express yourself then don't go out on dates all the time and energy you're spending dating you need to explore who you are. You need to get to know who you are. You need to have answers to the who you are questions. Um, you may need to talk to someone to help explore who you are. You might need a therapist. You might need one of us, a coach, uh, this or that, something. But you need to do it. Otherwise, you are wasting your time and the people you're dating's time and the matchmaker's time because you won't get anywhere. It's just not going to happen. Um, so do know and do explore yourself. Uh, and who you are, and then, then it gets, you know, that's the rest is commentary. Um, next, uh, next question Where does love fit into all this? Where does love fit in? The problem is, is that we don't know what love means. The word love means a hundred different things. Um, ultimately, love is the, you know, what we, the, the, what we talk about love, love is the sum of all these parts. Um, and it's greater than the sum of its parts. It's what happens when you reach that soul, when you reach the fifth dimension. Um, you, know, you know, when we talk about love um, as opposed to attraction or lust, you know, lust is important. That's the, the reason, you know, like it says in the Talmud, you need to see each other. Lust is important. It's one of the many dimensions of a marriage. When you put together all the different dimensions, then you have, I guess, what we call love. You have a true loving relationship. And so it's the sum of all of this, which is greater than its parts. And, um, and uh, it's not easy. And it's not just all candy and, and lollipops. Love is full of conflict. Love is a very complex thing. It's, yeah. con conflict is one of the main things, is one of the, 
is one of the main parts of it. And there's also something called play, which I really wanted to talk about tonight, but we didn't even get to. Uh, a big part of attraction and with the personality thing, a big important question, can we play together? Play is, can we create a space in between reality and fantasy where we can explore together? And that's the space you create in that conversation. You kind of leave reality just, just a little bit and you can, you know, you're not all the way in a fantasy world, but can you dream together? Can you enter this transitional space? It's called in between reality and fantasy where we can play together. You know, like when I say play, I'm talking about, you know, kids imagine, you know, children doing imaginative play, right? So just imagine that, but a little bit of a grown-up version. Can we dream together about doing this or going to this place or having children or buying a house? Can we dream about our future together? can we do you know the play that's more fun can you know there's like a certain kind of flirting and joking and having fun that you know has to do with play has to do with kind of leaving reality a little bit and having those interactions that are not just all about well what'd you do today and money and we have to pay the bills and we have to go here and we have to do that but just when you leave that behind and you start having fun that's play you're leaving behind the harsh reality for a minute together you want the person you marry to be able to leave reality with you just a tiny bit. Um, and that's a huge part of what becomes attraction. I just wanted to mention that. Play and conflict are both part of love. So I wanna end off with this question. There's so many other questions coming in. A lot of them are not with regards to attraction. If you do have these kind of questions, you're welcome to email us with some of, there's some really great questions. They're just not necessarily having to do with this topic. Um, there was one last question. So what do you think is the right balance between the four or five different dimensions of attraction? So the, the right balance is based on you. You look at yourself and you look at who you are and what your percentages are and you figure out, and that's part of your journey maybe on dating and failed relationships is you figure out your right balance. You know, if, if um, I'm a guy, um, uh, I, if, you know, let's say I put body 20, 30%, you know, let's say I put it as something of, you know, important, but not like, and I meet someone and I'm just way too, there's way too much body stuff happening. I might say like, I, I don't want that. Okay. I want to be attracted. I want, I want some body attraction, but maybe I don't want that much. Maybe this is not good for me. All right. I'm just giving an example because we, <laughs> we don't usually hear that, you know, especially the guys, you know, we don't, like no guy is ever going to say that, ever going to admit that. But maybe, you know, if I, if I, you know, just transported a supermodel here for you to marry, that might not be a good thing for you. It really might not. I, I don't think that would be a good relationship. And you would probably realize that pretty quickly if we're being realistic, unless you're one of those people who's like that. If you're one of those people and that's you, then fine, you'll, you'll, you know, you'll have that relationship. But like a lot of the people here, I don't think you'd really be happy. Way too much body going on there. Um, not, you're not gonna have a good relationship, right? So you need to figure out for yourself what, and you need to, you know, yeah, it's important and this is how important it is. And I need a certain extent of whatever and not too much, not too little. Where's my Goldilocks zone of click? Um, I got a really, I, got, I just got an interesting question, direct message to me. Um, I wanted to mention. Okay, we'll take that as the last question because we need to close okay. up. 
Let me we'll find it. A little overtime. Yeah, I mean, I think people are interested and it's something. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, one second, where did that question go? Someone direct question. Why don't we, um, let's, let's officially close the session and then we can get to some of the other questions once uh, the, the session officially closes. So uh, yeah, thank you Rabbi Berkowitz for being with us, for sharing your time. And uh, this is definitely a very broad topic and a topic that really needs to be explored in depth. And thank you everyone for, um, for, for sharing your questions and being really participatory and being here with us. And um, we hope to do this again really soon. So have a good night. Hi there, I just wanted to let you know that I just launched a brand new website. It's theloverabbi.com, T-H-E-L-O-V-E-R-A-B-B-I.com, theloverabbi.com, and it has um, lots of very interesting uh, things there, especially you can purchase um, a lot of the different classes and uh, lectures that I have given um, over the past few years, and you can also take a look at the current classes and lectures that I'm giving and the current events that I am doing on relationships. So I encourage you to go check it out. It's theloverabbi.com. Thanks so much.